and take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians. We're going to start with tonight, and we're going to, of course, make it to Colossians. But turn with me to 2 Corinthians this evening. We'll start in chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter number four. By the way, uh, I had uh, Colton read our missionary prayer letter tonight. Uh, we're working on, just to give you a heads up, sometime in the near future. Uh, we're just waiting on some pricing and some different things. But the walls, as you go here to the bathrooms and as you go here to the kitchen, uh, those walls that stand out here on that side, uh, we're going to be setting both of those walls up uh, with a place for us to display all of our missionary prayer letters uh, for you to get to see those and some information about the missionaries. So we're going to be going to be doing that soon. And I uh, wanted to give you a heads up that's in the works, some other things as well. Uh, I saw on Facebook, Tasha uh, Hoxie mentioned that she thought our next church business meeting that we need to install a chairlift for Pastor Rice on all the stairs. So be, be prepared. And we may need to, to do that as well. Second Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 12 tonight. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but my manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto us. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may, uh, the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed." always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body, for we which live are always delivered unto death. For Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. In verse 12, So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Let's pray together. Lord, tonight as we think about the life, as we think about the ministry, uh, Lord, that we ought to have as believers, Lord, as we think about the blessing we have in Jesus Christ, the wonderful power of the gospel in full view in our life, Lord, I pray you'd bless us this evening. Lord, as we look at this particular individual this evening from the book of Colossians, Lord, as we see his example, and Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, to follow the examples you give us in Scripture. Lord, I thank you for those you give us as, a, as warnings. Lord, those we looked as we looked last week at John Mark and 
well, the danger of turning back. But Lord, tonight I thank you for a, a godly example. Uh, Lord, something that can stir us and challenge us. Lord, I pray you just bless uh, now our time together as we study your word. Lord, may you be glorified. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Uh, turn to the book of Colossians. Colossians, I, I want us to see this, the importance of the ministry tonight. And as we think about the ministry, and by the way, the ministry is for all of us as believers. Uh, all of us are to be a part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. We see an example here in Colossians chapter 4 and verse uh, number 12. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. We see this man mentioned a few times in scriptures, this man Epaphras. We, we see him mentioned as a servant of Christ. He's mentioned in Colossians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. We see him here in chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Uh, then we see him in Philemon uh, 23. Now, this man that we're going to look at as an example this evening, this man Epaphras, and I believe a wonderful example for us to follow. Uh, he was a native of Colossae. As we've been looking through the book of Colossians, we, we've seen this letter that God gave to Paul to pen to these believers in the local church in Colossae. He, he was a native of there. He, he was from there. Uh, not only was he a native of the church at Colossae, but he was a zealous worker for the Lord. And, and through the ministry of this man, this man Epaphras, many of his countrymen, many of his friends, many of his family, uh, probably many of his co-workers, many of his uh, neighbors uh, came to the Lord Jesus Christ. And thus the church at Colossae had been founded uh, partially, I believe, because of Epaphras and men like Epaphras who were faithful servants. And they loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and not only the church at Colossae, but also there was a church, an assembly at Laodicea uh, and at Hierolopus. Uh, and Epaphras, uh, from what we can tell from history and, and some research in the scriptures a bit, uh, I believe that he was a man who exercised some uh, pastoral, maybe teaching ministries at all three of those local churches. So, so we see a man here, Epaphras, who who was instrumental in this church, this church of Colossae uh, being grounded. Uh, remember, Paul had never been there. Paul had not got to come to Colossae, uh, but Epaphras had. Epaphras had ministered there. Epaphras had taught there, and maybe Epaphras had even pastored the church at Colossae. Uh, not only Colossae, but those other two cities where he had the involvement. And I want to see some things about this minister of Christ, this servant of the Lord, some things that you and I can emulate, uh, some things that we can try to put in practice. How many of you grew up watching basketball 
basketball fans. I'm not a basketball fan, but I, I grew up watching some basketball. How many of you know the name Michael Jordan? Maybe you know that name. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, uh, all the guys, I wasn't a basketball player. Uh, I was shaped like a basketball, but I didn't play basketball. Uh, I almost got kicked out of gym class for my basketball playing abilities, Brother Mike. Uh, when I play a sport, I'm extremely aggressive, and I knocked two people out and, like, knocked them out unconscious playing basketball. You're not supposed to do that. Uh, elbows under the net, you know, into the head. Uh, I had to sit down with my principal, like, Brian, you can't kill people. You're not allowed to hurt people. And they said, no, he didn't mean to, so you got to be careful. Well, I wasn't a basketball player, but I remember all the guys in that era, uh, during the Jordan era, uh, all the guys when they play basketball, they all had that, they all had their tongue hung out. You ever notice that? Uh, now hanging your tongue out when you when you shoot or try to slam dunk, it doesn't do anything. All it does is make you look like you got your tongue hung out. Uh, but brother Mike, you probably did the same thing trying to be Michael Jordan. Uh, I know Jerice did. If he was here tonight, he would admit it. Uh, he thought hanging the tongue out was the key. Now, they tried to emulate several things about Mr. Jordan. Can I say it tonight? I want us to emulate some things that matter, some things that matter. And I believe we can see some things here in a path verse. Number one, and not a lengthy message tonight, look at verse 7 of chapter 1 of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 7. We see him mentioned here for the first time. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. As I mentioned, most likely Epaphras was the pastor at the church at Colossae, uh, at least for some period of time. We see here in this verse, in verse 7, Epaphras was a beloved fellow worker. A beloved fellow worker. Notice the wording there. A dear fellow servant. How many of you can look back over your past and think of somebody that you worked with, that you enjoyed working with over the years? Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was 10 years ago. Maybe I can think of several folks that I enjoyed working with in the secular world, that I had a camaraderie with, and I enjoyed seeing them at work. I enjoyed interacting with them at work. But if I'm honest, and if you're honest, you could probably also, as I know I can, think of some people that I'm glad I don't have to work with them anymore. How many of you know people like that? Uh, how many of you work with them right now? You wish you didn't. Uh, you get up and like, oh man, I got to see him. I got to see her. I got to deal with him. I got to go to work with him. Uh, and you just dread it. It's, it's a weight. Uh, like, man, I can't believe I've got to, oh, it's difficult. Can I tell you that Epaphras was a man who was a worker for the Lord Jesus Christ, but he was a, a beloved fellow worker. Now, I want to tie the analogy here and understand uh, there, was a, there was a reason. There was a reason that God would give to Paul to refer to this man as a beloved fellow servant, fellow worker. Uh, at the time the epistle was written, uh, Epaphras was not there at Colossae. By the way, that's why I say that Epaphras probably was a pastor of the work, the church, the local church in Colossae for a while, but he was not the pastor of that church, or at least he was not acting as pastor uh, in, in the local church at that time because Epaphras during this time 
was in prison with Paul. He, he had served the Lord, but he now was in bonds. He was in prison. Uh, he had visited Paul, had gone there uh, to where Paul was, not to be in prison, but had gone there Paul, where Paul was to seek advice uh, and for some counsel. Uh, he was ministering to Paul while Paul was in prison. Epaphras was there with him, had gone there to seek some, some counsel and some help. Uh, and no doubt Paul gave him some help, gave him some comfort. But I believe also Epaphras comforted Paul. And help Paul. Uh, what a privilege it was for Epaphras to be able to minister to Paul, who also would minister to him. Can I tell you, there was a natural affection between the apostle and Epaphras, as there always is when we minister not for ourselves, but for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, there's a difference in ministering and ministering for Christ. There's a difference in performance and servants. There's a difference. Epaphras was a man who served Paul, who served the church at Colossae, who wherever he was, wherever God opened a door for service, he had an opportunity to serve with them, not to receive accolades, not to be lifted up, not to be held high, but rather that he could just get in the trenches with them and encourage and help and seek what was needed to be done. Number two, Epaphras was a faithful, faithful minister of Christ. It says in verse 7 of chapter 1, as you also learn of Epaphras, our dear fellow servants, who is for you, a faithful minister of Christ. Undoubtedly, Epaphras was successful, you know, but we define success differently, I think, than God defines success. You know, we define success by, you know, do people know you? We define success by, you know, what kind of following did Epaphras have, or how many people knew his name, or he was successful and he served Christ. But can I tell you that we see the emphasis on faithfulness. There is, no greater, there is no greater commendation than that. Jesus, the Bible said, was faithful unto death, even the death of the cross. It says he set his eyes like a flint. And Jesus was on his way to Calvary. He was going towards that purpose of dying for you and dying for me. He surrendered. He was uh, faithful all the way. At any moment along that path, there was never a time when Jesus said, time out. <laughs> I don't think I want to do this. No, he was faithful, the Bible says, unto death, even the death of the cross. Paul was faithful. How faithful was Paul? Paul was faithful that he's in prison. Paul was faithful that he had been beaten multiple occasions. He had been whipped multiple occasions. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been a, in the deep. He, he'd been in prison. He, he had all kinds stoned, all those things, and yet he stayed faithful. And then can I tell you that Paul, the one who was faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, faithful to Jesus, who was faithful all the way to the death of the cross, God gave him to pin the words about Epaphras being faithful. I believe we can... Mark it down tonight that Epaphras was faithful. He was a minister. 
he was responsible to the Lord himself. He, he was responsible to the one who sat upon the throne. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to look at some verses with me. We're going we're gonna to work our way through the New Testament a little bit. And, and we're going to look at some references here and, and look at the important question of being faithful to the Lord. And I, I want you to see that tonight. Epaphras was faithful. He was faithful. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25 verse 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Turn to Luke 16. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 10, 11, and 12. Luke 16, 10, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful to the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? We see another reminder about faithfulness. Over just a couple of pages, Luke chapter 19. Two pages over, Luke 19, verse 17. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. Turn to 1 Corinthians. I'm thinking maybe you see a bit of a pattern here tonight as we see some things about faithfulness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful. 1 Timothy. Continue working our way to the back of the Bible here. 1 Timothy. Look, if you will, at chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, I want you to, to stop at this verse and think just for a moment. The one who was faithful all the way to the cross said of Paul, who wasn't perfect, said of Paul, who failed and stumbled, Said of Paul, who had his problems, Paul said, he counted me faithful. Now, was Paul as faithful as the Lord? No. But the Lord counted him faithful. Can I tell you, because of our position in Christ, we have that position of faithfulness with the Lord. It was God who placed Paul in the ministry. Look at 2 Timothy over just a page or two. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also, I praise God tonight 
that this message that Paul preached. By the way, the message that Paul preached and he taught to young Timothy, he passed it to Timothy. And he said, Timothy, I want you to take that truth and I want you to commit it to faithful men that they may teach others also. What would have happened if Timothy had not committed that to faithful men? What would have happened if the church in Ephesus or in Jerusalem, if there was no, or any of the local churches across the, uh, the world at the time, what if there were no faithful men to take the message? You'd have no truth. I'd have no truth. I praise God for faithful servants. Faithful men. We see that there in that passage, 2 Timothy. Look at Revelation chapter 2 with me. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. And I'll give thee a crown of life. Jesus was faithful unto death. By the way, those 12 men that followed Jesus Christ, one of them, Judas, killed himself. The other 11 men that walked and talked with our Lord and heard him teach and heard him preach, who, who sat with him, ministered with him, every one of those men would be faithful unto death. To a man, they would give their lives for the gospel's sake. Paul, faithful unto death. May we be faithful. Epaphras, a godly example. An example of faithfulness. Number three tonight. Epaphras was a bearer of good tidings. I'm going to have you look, turn back to Colossians, if you will. Colossians chapter 1 is your turning. This morning when I managed to... Uh, injure myself after I lay there and felt sorry for myself and, you know, cried like a girl, uh, you know, for six or seven hours. I pulled my phone out and I didn't call my wife because she would have said, why are you, why are you being an idiot? Uh, I didn't call her immediately. Uh, I called a dear friend of mine, a friend that I was supposed to uh, leave tonight to drive to Southern Alberta with. And I called him and I said, hey, I got some bad news. He said, what's wrong? I said, well, I said, uh, probably a good chance. We're not going anywhere tonight. Uh, it wasn't news that I wanted to share. It wasn't news he wanted to hear. Can I tell you that Epaphras was a man who was a bearer of good tidings? I, and I love this. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 8. And, and, and to me, if you get nothing else tonight... If you get nothing, no other truth from the life of Epaphras, grab a hold of this. It says in verse 8, let's start in verse 7. He also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. 
Can I tell you who who knew the church at Colossae better than anybody else? It's probably Epaphras. Most likely Epaphras had been there since the beginning. Most likely Epaphras knew all the dirty laundry. He knew all the problems. He knew all the difficulties. He knew all the things that maybe had been swept under the rug in people's lives that nobody else knew about. He knew about it. If there was anybody who could have said, hey, if you want to know some bad things about the church at Colossae, (laughs) I'm your man. (laughs) I can tell you about it. But when Epaphras was visiting Paul, when Paul was in prison, it tells us here in verse 8 that he declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Now, does that mean mean there were no problems in the church at Colossae? That's not what it means at all. Does that mean there were no shortcomings? No. They existed. But Epaphras was a bearer of good tidings. Epaphras was a bearer of that which was good. Christian, be careful. It's very easy for us to see the bad. It's very easy for us to become scientists uh, studying uh, the minutiae of problem and the minutiae of difficulty. And we become experts in the field. And it's easy for us to focus on those problems. We need to be, <coughs> we need to be careful. Be careful that we do not fall into the trap of criticism. It would have been easy for Epaphras to have criticized, but he did not. He was a bearer of good tidings. Uh, Our careless criticism, by the way, often breeds disaffection. It brings dishonor on the name of the Lord. You know, Epaphras, and I, I, little simple thought here, but I I just, I, I think this is so vital. Epaphras was not only of the Church of Colossae, he was for the Church of Colossae. And I know that doesn't sound like a great truth, but you probably won't hear a greater truth this week. He was not only of, he was for them. Christian, we need to be for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not just connected with them. We need to be for them. We do that as we bear good tidings, as we encourage, as we lift up. If you're of a church, Christian, we need to make sure we're for that church as well. For our sake. And for the sake of other believers. Turn to James chapter 1 with me. James 1 and verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You know, we we think much of religion today. I when I think of the world's definition of religion, I hate religion. 
I hate the world's definition of it. The world's definition of religion is me doing something good so God so I can God will accept me. It's some some kind of some kind of form of goodness that I can build myself to be accepted by God. But pure religion, undefiled, true religion, we see here. And I believe that Epaphras grabbed a hold of that truth and understood pure religion and undefiled. He was a bearer of good tidings. He, he, he encouraged that which was good. He, he was a man who did not focus on the negative. An author, Herbert Lockyer, wrote a book, The Sins of the Saints. And he has this paragraph I'm going to read to you under this heading, The Bitterness of Criticism. Bitter, unworthy, and unchristlike criticism is the dead fly causing the ointment of many good life to send forth a stinking savor. Whether in church or assembly, Believe it, believe in it, and serve it with your utmost loyalty. Yes, and shield the faulty ones of the flock, exposing no one's dirty linens to the gaze of the public. If you do not altogether agree with the preacher, be silent about him before the godless. Do not tear him or any of your fellow church members to pieces before children. To be guilty of dragging the failure of a church... Preacher or Christian before the world is to act as a traitor in the camp. This is a sin of which we're all more or less guilty. That is a very painful paragraph to read and to apply to our own heart. I read a book many years ago. I could go back and I could tell you the exact night that I read it because the night that I read that book, a man broke in my parents' home. It is a matter of police record. Uh, I could find the date, but the night I read the, I was reading a book, a man named Johnny White broke into my parents' home. I read the book written by a man who was in charge of a large part of the ministry of the church where I was in Bible college. and It was about his father. It was honoring his father. And in that book, he made this statement. He said the greatest, something along the lines of the, the greatest thing that I could ever say about my mother was that as far as I knew, my father never did anything wrong. Now his father, just like your father and my father, did things wrong. He had failings, he had shortcomings, but his wife did not promote them to the children. Now, can I tell you that as a believer, if we took that very simple truth, that understanding of this man, Epaphras, who shared, who encouraged Paul as he was there visiting him and declared the love and the spirit to the believers in Colossae. If we would apply that in our life, what a wonderful application. Lastly tonight, Epaphras was a man of prayer. We turn to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. Colossians 
Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he had a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Number four, Epaphras was a man of prayer. Every one of us should be men and ladies of prayer. I believe that God has especially called some to a ministry of prayer, but God has that ministry for all of us. Three characteristics I want to give you tonight, and we'll close with this, very simple truth this evening. Three characteristics of a path for his prayer life or his praying. Number one, as we see there in verse 12, it says, always. Epaphras was one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always. He was persistent. Persistent in prayer. Always praying. I swear we normally fail. We give up. We gain some momentum, and then we go backward. How many of you slid on some ice this morning? Anybody? It was not nice out this morning, and uh, I was as I was driving here to the church early this morning. I was saw some found some slick spots. I saw some drivers, brother Ma, that I wanted to do a citizen's arrest. Say, give me your keys, give me your driver's license. You can never drive again. I told my wife about one of them tonight. I, if I had the ability, I would have stopped her taking her driver's license. She would never ever drive again. Uh, had flashers on, slammed on her brakes, sat there forever. And then she'd go forward and slamming her brakes again. I watched several people almost die. Uh, I thought about stopping and taking her driver's license anyway, but I was afraid I'd get arrested. But the roads weren't nice. Uh, they were kind of slick. There were some difficult spots. And there were some places because on a hill that would be possible if you had bad tires and didn't have snow tires on, you might try to gain progress going uphill and you, you might have slid backwards. That's discouraging. I've done that before in a vehicle. I've tried to go forward and slip back. I remember we used to have an old, really, really old Chevy van for the church. Remember that, Miss Lois? I called it the banana boat. And I remember we went one time, we're in St. Albert, and there's the hill there. I can't think of the road over by the bowling alley. Ma, do you know where I'm talking about? But rear-wheel drive, old Chevy van, and we're trying to go up and is this time of the year, and we're spinning. We can't get up the hill. And I had to have Carrie and the girls. Of course, the girls were all little. Hannah was a baby. I had to have them go and get in the back seat and jump up and down in the back seat while I'm driving so we get enough momentum to finally get some traction and get up that hill. Sometimes in a Christian life, we struggle to get momentum going forward. And sometimes we start going backwards in our prayer life. The problem is when that happens, we normally quit. We don't go forward. We see here a man of Epaphras as an example of just faithful, persistent prayer. Always. Always. I, I, I love that, that thought and that truth that we see here about his prayer life. I want to read for you a verse in the book of Genesis Genesis 32, verse 26, I'll just read here quickly for you. Genesis 32, 
in verse number 26. And he said, let me go. For the day breaketh, this is whenever Jacob was wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Can I tell you, that's why God changed his name. That's why God changed his name to Israel. Because as a prince, he had power with God. He would not let go. He was persistent. Number two, as we think about Epaphras being a man of prayer, he was a man who was persistent, always praying, but also he was a man who was agonizing in prayer. It tells us in our text there in verse 12 of Colossians 4, and Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Laboring fervently, or, or, or we could say striving in agony. I was talking to Brother Jim Price today, and by the way, be praying for the prices. I meant to mention them during the prayer, uh, prayer time. Uh, they found out the, the house, their house is sold. Uh, the possession date's not till December, but of course the prices are traveling much and on the road and not home, not at the house much. And they just found out that they've got to have all of their belongings they need to move to Manitoba prepared for next Wednesday morning. And they're going to be in Vancouver. They're, they're only going to have a few hours. Uh, but as I was talking to Brother Jim, uh, he asked me how I was doing. I said, oh, I said, I'll be, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'll be able to... Uh, lead Bible study tonight, I said, I might even be able to, to make it look like I'm not in pain. I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Uh, but can I tell you that as we think of that agony, that struggle, that man Epaphras was a man who struggled in agony and prayer. He always prayed, and it was a powerful prayer. He, it was an idea of intensity. And I, I want to turn back just quickly here into the Old Testament as we, we could look many places, we could look at the book of Acts, but Acts chapter 20 we could see, but in Psalm 66, 18, the Bible says, verse, actually it starts in verse 17, I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, but verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. The psalmist we see here is, is crying out to God and trying to get God to answer. We see a bit of that similarity in Epaphras' prayer life. As he was crying out, as he was seeking an answer for God, as he was agonizing in prayer. And his prayer also was an intelligent prayer. It says in verse 12, Epaphras who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Praise God. How many of you would like to have somebody praying that for you? Sure. Can I tell you, everyone would like you to pray that for them as well. God wants us to be praying we see this man, Epaphras, was a praying man. And lastly, look at verse 13. We'll see this last point here this evening. 
In verse 13, Epaphras was a true missionary. In verse 13, it says, For I bear him record that he had a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hierapolis. It's clear from verse 13 here that Epaphras was a man that not only had a great burden for the local assembly in Colossae, but his burden went farther than that. His burden stretched farther than that. He had a concern that went beyond the boundaries of his community. He had a concern for the lost that went farther than the little shading on a map. It went farther than the walls of the building where the assembly of the church at Colossae gathered, wherever that was. He was a man who had a burden for the world. You know, we have millions who've never heard the gospel. Millions. You know, we, I hope we have a concern for our community, for our neighborhood, for our family, for, for our culture, for our city, for our country, for our world. I hope so. But if, we ha- if you have a burden here for your city, for your community, for your family, do you also have a burden for those that have never heard the gospel? Do you also have a burden for places that you've never been? By the way, Paul had a burden for Colossae. Paul had never been there. Epaphras, very much like Paul, had a great burden. He had a great burden. He had a great burden for the lost. You know, we, as we think about the heart of Epaphras... We, We know that he had an impact. We know that he affected so many people. How are we affecting people? You know, if you take a little pebble and you go to a still, calm pool of water that's not frozen, and you toss that little pebble into that still pool, that little pebble will make a wake and ripple that will affect across the pool. But it will be almost imperceivable at a certain point. But if you go to that same pool and you take a bowling ball and you throw it up in the air, by the way, that's how I bowl, by the way. I bounce it, Brother Mike, all the way down the alley. Uh, and I like when they put the little bumpers up, Brother Mod, that way I can keep almost hit, hit something. Uh, but you take a bowling ball and throw it up and it splashes, those waves go a bit further. We had a, a swimming pool, an above-ground swimming pool when I was a boy. It was four foot by, I think, 15 foot across and four feet deep. It wasn't a big, it wasn't a big pool. And we had a deck. We built a deck around it with a, a, a walkway all around and then a deck on one end of it. And we had to fill the, the pool with water, and there was a filter and all the, you know, all the things that go along with the pool. And I learned that if I would get on that deck and I would run and jump, and I learned to do a dive call. Now, you couldn't dive headfirst, four feet of water, Brother uh, Maude, I'd be in a wheelchair right now. I'm surprised I'm not already, but I, I did what was called the cannonball. How I many you know what I'm talking about? The cannonball makes... A lot of water displaced, especially when you're this size. And one day my dad came out, and he saw me running, and pff, 
as I did my cannonball in the pool. And my dad came out and he said, don't do that anymore. You know why? Because dads don't want you to have fun. That's why. It wasn't because my dad was concerned about me hurting myself. It, none of that. My dad came out and saw how low the water level was in the pool. And he knew that we were going to have to fill it back up. And he didn't want to do that. So he said, don't do that anymore. I was having too much of an effect on the water level in the pool. Christian, how much of an effect are we having on the pool of our world? Epaphras had an effect. Paul knew it by speaking with Epaphras. He'd never been to Colossae. He'd never been to the church in Colossae. But he knew Epaphras had had an effect. Christian, I pray that we would realize that we too, we, we may never travel to another country, we may never go and preach in a foreign field, but all of us can have an effect on our world for the gospel's sake. We see a path for us, a man who was a true missionary, a true heart for the lost. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us. Lord, to take the examples of men like Epaphras. And Lord, may we follow them. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful. Lord, I'm so glad that I had many folks around me in my life as a young man who taught me the importance of faithfulness. I'm thankful, Lord, for those who were examples in my life of faithfulness. I thank you for you, the perfect example of faithfulness. Lord, I pray that we be faithful. Lord, I pray that we would realize that we need to serve together, that we need to love others. Lord, I pray that we would not be sharing problems and hurts and looking for issues, but God, may we share blessings and helps. Lord, may we be like Epaphras. Lord, may we see the good that we can appraise and lift up and encourage. Lord, I pray that we would have a prayer life like Epaphras had. And God, make us missionary-minded. God, help us to affect ripples across our world with the gospel, starting where we are here. Lord, bless us tonight. Help us as we seek to honor you as we seek to live out the Christian life in such a way that, Lord, those can see Christ in us. Lord, bless us now. Dismiss us with your grace. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.